0: Hey everyone. Welcome back to the Westbridge Church podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougal, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, today we begin a, a new message series entitled Draw Near. And it's a 10-week deep dive into the letter of Hebrews. It would have been fitting to place in the chair in front of you a steak knife and a fork rather than a straw because the, the letter of Hebrews is not milkshake truth. that You can like, sip through a straw pretty quick and be on your way. It takes some chewing. It's like steak where, where you've got to just chew on it, and the good news is that it's protein, and it's protein with a punch, with a kick. The, uh, the author is not concerned about our, uh, how do I say this, how good we feel about ourselves when we go out the door. <laughs> he's concerned how close we are with God, and his big concern, you'll feel this throughout the letter, is there's five warning passages, which he's concerned that, that we will drift from God. And so he gives us these warnings, they're, they're in your face, There's a, you can feel his concern for, for us and, and uh, we'll, we'll be unpacking those as we go. The overarching message of this letter is what we talked about a couple weeks ago, it's in, in chapter 10, that, the cliff note version, it's draw near to God, hang on to the hope you have in Christ. And go love, as God calls us to go love. Encourage each other to go love. The theme of the mess, this letter, the subject of this letter, I should say, is Jesus. Jesus is how we draw near. Jesus is our hope, and we're called to go love Jesus. Follow him into a life of love. The author, um, again, cares deeply that, that we don't drift from God. And his his challenge to us each week will be, a life of loving obedience to, to our Father. But the end goal is that we'll draw near, that we'll live close to, the, to our Lord, which is the place of, of life, really, and, and love and joy. One of the most helpful aspects of this letter, what's unique about it is, is it helps us understand our relationship as, as Christians and as Gentile Christians to the Old Covenant and Jewish Christians. It's written before the temple was destroyed in, 80, in 70 A.D. when those who were uh, coming out of the Judaism, moving into Christianity, were actually being persecuted. And it, you can imagine how hard it would be if you're being pers- persecuted because of your faith in Jesus. You're no longer going to the temple, which is still existing, and they're still offering animal sacrifices. And you're saying, no, I'm not going to go do that. And you're facing persecution for it. It would be tempting to drift back into... That, that way of life, or at least adopt some of the practices of the Jewish, of, of Judaism. And so the author here is is warning Jews, or, or really helping Jews, stay focused on Jesus. Jesus is so much better than what we had under the old covenant. So, uh, but the old covenant still has great value to us today as, as Gentile Christians. So what is that? It, you know, and often when um, things get weird for some churches and some brand of churches, it's often they don't understand the distinction that we're no longer under the law of Moses, and yet, how do we relate to that? And, and we'll talk through that as we work through this book. Now, we don't know who wrote the book, so you could have come up with your own theory. I guess, to me, I'm thinking God didn't tell us, so we probably don't need to know. But some think it was Apollos, the, the great preacher and teacher. Some think this is a, a one sermon that starts in the beginning and goes all the way to the end. Like a preacher just preached this whole sermon. And their the little clue that gets me thinking that might be right is over in uh, the last part of it. verse Chapter 13, verse 22 says this. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. So you get the tone there. This is going to be exhorting us. For in fact, I have written you quite briefly. Now, if you have looked at the letter of Hebrews, would you use the word brief? (laughs) I heard it on the vision summit. I was trying to condense. How do I put Hebrews into ten weeks? And it gave me a headache. This thing is not brief. This is long. So. So this is obviously a preacher's definition, right, of brief. Because uh, <laughs> what a preacher thinks is brief and what is brief is usually not the same thing. I love the story, quick rabbit trail, of when it uh, happened in our church. A little boy asked, sitting by his grandma, and he's like, Grandma, um, when is this over? And the grandma said, it's when the two hands on the clock both point to the top, 12 o'clock. And the little boy thought for a moment, and then he said, Does he know that? Pointing to the pastor. (laughs) And uh, so this may have been a preacher talking. The bigger clue is it's great oratory. Do you know the first four verses of this? uh, Hebrews chapter 1 to 4 are the most sonorous in all of Greek literature, all of uh, biblical Greek literature. I've practiced that word sonorous all week. Does anybody know what that means? I didn't know it until I w- read William Barclay. It means the most good sounding. Like when he goes into one to four, it's like if you're listening to this as a and you understand Greek language, it's like that language was just flowing. It, it, it just sounds good. It, it sounds like kind of what, what he's saying and it's just wow. So that might be a clue as to who wrote it. Some think it was Luke, some Barnabas, some Paul. We're not sure. But today what we're going to do is kick it off we're going to discover a core truth, a, a very simple challenge, and then a danger to avoid in the first part of this, this letter. We'll put these all together to, in a big idea that we can carry with us this week. So we'll get it, get it going here with the core truth. There in verse 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors. How did he do it? He did it through the prophets. And, and when you just stop and think, how gracious is our God? How many times did God speak through the prophets? <laughs> At many, sp- spoke through the prophets at many times and in various ways, again and again and again, God revealed himself. And you start going back and just thinking about it. Go back to Genesis. You know, when God shows up and he speaks, speaks to Noah, speaks to Moses, speaks to Abraham. He, and how does he speak to these guys? Um, and then through the prophets. You, you pick a prophet in the, uh, spoke to, to, to David when he was off track, through Nathan the prophet and spoke to Saul the king, spoke to the kings through Isaiah, Jeremiah. And then how did he speak to these guys? Has anyone read Ezekiel lately? If you want an entertaining prophetic read, this guy, (laughs) how God spoke through Ezekiel is like, you got to be kidding me. He, at one time, he had Ezekiel say, okay, Ezekiel, these people are not listening to me. I'm about to put them under captivity because of They've broken the covenant that we made. So here's what I want you to do. Go get a sword that's really sharp, like a a, a barber's, sharp as a razor's edge, and cut your hair. Go bald and cut your beard. Cut everything off. And then divide the hair up into three parts. Put some some of your hair here to represent this, some of your hair here. Burn some of your hair and take some of your hair and stick it in your belt. And then the people are going to watch you. And when they say, what in the world are you doing? Tell them what I'm going to tell you. And then another time, he says, Ezekiel, I want to take a block of clay and stuff, and I want you to just go out in the middle of everybody and build like a little Lego thing of the city and build a, a mini siege. And when people walk by, I want you to tell them what, what... Another time, he goes, Ezekiel, I want to pack up all your stuff during the day and go to the edge of the city where the, the uh, wall is, and I want you to dig under the, the, uh, the wall like you're going out into exile and when everybody's asking you, what in the world are you doing? Tell them, this is what we're going to be doing. Dig under the wall and then do that again the next day and the next day. <laughs> how did God speak in the past? Oh, many times, how gracious is our God. And in many ways, to, to get the attention of His people. But here it comes. But in these days, He's triggering something here. This is a unique time. That we live in. This is the time that all the other days we're looking forward to, the prophets were looking forward to. And these days, He has spoken to us by His Son. How has God spoken to us today through Jesus? And here's the core truth that, that we need to just lock in on today. God spoke to us through Jesus. This is really important to understand as we interpret the Bible. Throughout the Bible, God reveals himself progressively. One of the rules, we call this hermeneutics, but the rules of Bible interpretation is we often talk about context, really important to understand context, equally important to understand whatever revelation God gives us today, it, it brings light to what he gave us yesterday. It's called the, the, doc, the uh, principle of progressive Revelation. And this one is especially important. What what God spoke to us through Jesus is what enlightens, helps us understand everything else that he said in the Old Covenant. It does not... uh, and, And so as we listen to Jesus and how he relates to the Old Covenant, he's saying, it doesn't make the Old Covenant irrelevant to us. In fact... It makes the Old Covenant even more valuable to us because now as we interpret Genesis through Malachi, through the revelation that God gave us through Jesus, we now have a better understanding of the Old Covenant, who God is and how it applies to our lives as we, we seek to, to understand that. Does that make sense? And so really important um, uh, un- principle in terms of... of uh, how we understand the entire Bible. But when, when you see that core truth, what do you think in your mind? God spoke to us through Jesus. Yeah, 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 I know that, I know that. Yep, tell me something I don't know, right? And, and the author's like, uh, no, 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 no. I don't think you, you understand what I'm trying to say right here. I, I, and he goes on, he amplifies it. Every other message that God spoke to His people, He spoke through a human or an angel, a prophet. But this message came through who? This one came through His Son, who is is this, and how important is this message? And that's where He goes on into the rest of this text where He says, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, meaning everything that will ever become belongs to Jesus and through whom He made the, entire, made the universe. So Jesus, He is the Creator. He is fully God, fully man, heir of all things, Creator. But He goes on, verse 3, The Son is the radiance of God's glory. Meaning, when you think about the glory of God, the, the radiance of who God is, His character, His power, all that He is, Jesus is, it's like the sunbeams coming from the sun. We, we fill the sunbeams. Jesus is that from the Father. He, he is fully God, but, but he, he is the glory of God. The radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His being, meaning when you look at Jesus, you see God, His nature, His character so important um, that, that we understand this is the one who who brought this message I love the um how John says it that how uh, John 1 fourteen where Jesus made his dwelling among us we have seen his his glory the one who came full of grace and truth and Colossians two verse uh, nine puts it where um, in Christ the all the we see the fullness of deity in human form and yeah, the writer goes on though he says, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So this, so we look to Christ. He's the one. Jesus is the one who's holding all things together. And how is he holding them together? It's by his word. Everything that we that exists is held together by, and the word there. You might put out when you see word in, in the Bible. There's there's grafe for scripture. There's uh, Uh, logos, the Greek word logos for the word of God and the knowledge of God, this is the word rhema in Greek, which means the spoken word of God. And it's that idea, when Jesus speaks, it happens. How how are we existing here today? How are we getting breath? The rhema, the the word of God, this is the one through whom the message has come. And then it says, after he provided the, the purification for sins, this Jesus um, is the one who makes it possible for us to be cleansed from our sin through what he did for us on the cross, and through our faith in him. And then he ends it, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus today is alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father, a position of power, but he sits there not as a judge to judge us, but he sits as our sympathetic high priest interceding for us our advocate so that when we mess up he's the one that's saying father forgive them who is this one through whom God has spoken this message do you feel the the weight of this as you think through um, God speaking through Jesus it's like wow 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 and what's the fitting response if God sent this message through Jesus, if when the Father sent the message, it was through Him, what's the response? What's our fitting response? And we see it there in, in if you uh, move ahead to chapter 2, verse 1, it's this. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. What is our fitting response? And this is what, what forms the challenge of the day. Two simple words that God says to us through this, the writer of Hebrews, is pay attention. Lock in on what, uh, and it's interesting, you feel the, the urgency as he, as he says, we must pay the most careful attention. And the, the words here that are just like, lock in on this message. What's the message? It's the message that, that Jesus came giving us. It's the teaching of Christ, of all the things that, that we're paying attention to. Let this be the message that, that we're, we're listening to. The warning here is, is against distraction, isn't it? And have you noticed how, eas- how easily humans are distracted? I mean, it's just like all we have to do is say, look, does someone have a little laser pointer? And could you just put that up on the screen right now and just start messing with this? And how many of you can look here and not look up at that screen? (laughs) No, actually, let's not. Larry's getting ready to do it. (laughs) I'm sure you've heard the study of uh, Microsoft did a couple years ago where they were testing the attention span of humans and found that from the year 2000, we were able to put our attention on something for a whopping 12 seconds. But today, it has dropped to... Only eight seconds can we lock in on something and, and put our attention there. And the bad news is we, we just lost to the goldfish. A goldfish can outlast us at nine seconds. So if you have a goldfish at home today, go home and try to outstare it. Take it to 10, baby. They, uh, they, also, they also discovered that we, uh, we check our email. The average employee checks their email 30 times every hour. Just distracted. It's a wonder we get anything done. And here God is warning us, Okay, we are easily distracted creatures. There's one thing that must own our attention, pay attention to this, to the teaching of Jesus. Remember when Jesus took his leadership team up the mountain? The mountain, we call it the mountain of transfiguration. What what was the context there? And these guys were not hearing what he said. He said, guys, I'm going to go to the cross, suffer, die, and be rise again three days later, and it was going over their head why they were distracted by their own version of a preferred future. They, they didn't see the cross. Death was not part of the plan, and they couldn't hear him. So he goes up the mountain, takes Peter, James, and John Tyson, hit this last week, and what's the, what, what happens? What's he do? He gets their attention by, whoosh, pulls back a little bit of his, his uh, lets them see his Shekinah glory, his shine, and he was transfigured right there before him. The glory that we'll see when we, we see him face to face. Why? To get their attention. And who else is with him? Moses and Elijah, representing what? The prophets and the law, the old covenant. So what do Peter and the guys want to do? Let's build it something for all three of you guys, right? Important people here. Moses, wow. Elijah, wow. Jesus, wow. And what's the father do? No, 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 no. Puts him in a cloud and then he says this Moses Elijah they're gone this is my son whom I love and what was his challenge listen to him <laughs> listen to him all four I believe all four gospel's record this moment it, it's like guys don't be worrying about building stuff for Moses and Elijah and all. My son's right here. This is my son. Listen to him. Pay attention. I was thinking about our one word, our, our one thing challenge, and this year we're all dwelling in his presence. And as we do, what will we see? We'll gaze on the beauty of God and we're gonna see the Lord, right? What we're gonna, as we see him in his word and we we're with him. But what's the word to us? It's okay. When we see his glory, what's the word? Okay, what's he saying? Listen to him. Pay attention to what he's saying. You say, well, why is this so important? And we see it in the second part of this first verse. He says, we must, pay, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, the teaching of Christ, so that we do not drift away. Why pay attention? It's so that we don't drift away. Drift away from what would be the question, and it's from God. It's from our life source, the, the source of the one who, who nourishes our soul, the one in whom's presence we come alive, the one who will lead us down the, the path of life, the one who, whose love we desperately need, who fills us up with his love, empowers us to go love, the one who, who's our source of joy and, and contentment and satisfaction. It is possible as followers of Christ, to drift away from God. How? We become distracted from the teaching of Jesus. We allow some other voice to, to get louder in our head. And, and you know what's, I think why the, the author here is so intense is this isn't something we, we intentionally do usually, is it? It's not like we say, hey, I'm going to go drift from God or I'm just going to go, uh, you know, How's it happen? Get distracted over here, distracted over here, distracted over, and boom! All of a sudden, Jesus just becomes one among many voices, and little by little the drift. Think about David's life, and you know it wasn't like he went up on the roof and said, like, "I'm going to go look for a beautiful woman tonight and who's someone else's wife." And he, he just he got distracted. It wasn't locked in on his relationship with the Lord, and what mattered most. I keep seeing a a, a moment where a a leader was, it was a sailboat in the middle of Lake, or way out in Lake Michigan, where the leader had taken his leadership team for a team building event, but it went bad because the wind quit blowing. So they're they're like, ah, what do we do out here? We're going to practice sailing, but we can't do that. So, well, thought, we weren't planning on this, but let's go swimming. So they uh, strip down to their, their uh, undies and jump in, and they're out there swimming around, having a good time. Well, Being human, he was distracted from the boat, which still had its sails up. And when a little puff of wind came along, that boat started to drift. And when he finally did notice the boat, drifting can you imagine the panic he describes just pure adrenaline dump as he starts to swim towards that boat which is now drifting because what's he imagining it was his dad's boat and a very expensive sailboat and what he was seeing was that boat on the other side of Lake Michigan and him explaining to his dad in his undies dad I don't know where your boat's at but uh, <laughs> that's a bad day. Thankfully, that day didn't happen. They caught up to the boat, jumped in there. That's, uh, we can laugh about that. But it's not laughable, is it, when you think about a wrecked life. And the warnings in Scripture where we have an enemy who is out to destroy us, is praying around like a lion seeking to devour. And how did it happen on day They're in creation, you know, where the serpent went after Eve and went after twisting the word of God. And here he's saying, all right, guys, as you follow me, we're in enemy territory. It's one thing you got to do is lock in on the teaching of Jesus Christ. Hear him. Know it. Um, Pay attention to it so that you do not drift away. And the great encouragement to us is, guys, we don't have to drift. It's why God gave us this word to keep us close and to keep us from drifting into the dark place far from him. He goes on to amplify this warning as he says in verse uh, 2. He says, for the, for the message spoken through the angels, for since the message spoken through the angels was binding. This was something I learned this week. Evidently, the law that was given to Moses was, was uh, the angels had a part in giving that giving that out. We see that in other texts in scripture. But uh, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? He says, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and miracles. There in the first century, and and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Here it's important to, to explain that we don't lose our we can't lose our salvation. We don't lose our salvation. And what we know is that the writer here is talking to Christians. There's lots of evidence of that throughout the book, this letter of Hebrews. But what helps us understand this is there are, there are three phases of our salvation. When the Bible uses the word salvation, there's justification, sanctification, glorification. And when, you talk, when he talks about there in the, uh, verse 3, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation, that the phase of salvation that's in view is sanctification, meaning justification when we come to faith in Jesus Christ it's God who opens our eyes and we are reborn by the Holy Spirit and John ten ten, who God re- rebirths is not going to cease being a child of God we-, we won't our eternal salvation is secure in Christ when we come to faith in him but sanctification is the process where we cooperate with the Spirit of God becoming more like Christ and in this process we can drift from God if we don't pay attention to his teaching and walk in, in obedience with him and in, in fellowship with him, and we can drift, and there are very real consequences to, to drifting. We know the Father will discipline those he loves in Hebrews 12, but there are also just natural consequences if we drift far from God that will play out in our lives. And this is the, the, his point here, Galatians 6, 9 says, um, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A, a person reaps what they sow. If you sow to please the sinful nature of the flesh, from that nature you'll reap destruction. But if you sow to please the Spirit, meaning follow what God's doing and what he calls us to, we'll reap, reap life in that and peace. So the third phase of, of uh, salvation is, is our glorification when we're finally with the Lord. And that's uh, when we, our salvation will be complete, our redemption will be complete uh, What a gift God's given us in this text and in this warning. And I I love the simplicity of it. It should bring great comfort to us when we start to wonder, everything's changing and, man, what's, what's certain in life? And here's what's certain. God spoke through Jesus. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in Him, we have a word that's not changing all right? Anchor your life to what he said through Jesus. Pay attention so that you don't drift away. Drift is a real concern for us. Even as Jesus followers, we can drift. And so the big idea, here it is, putting it all together. God spoke through Jesus. Pay attention to avoid the drift. Three questions that are helpful as we put this into play in our lives. First is, is the teaching of Jesus a priority in your life? Among all the other Things that we're listening to is this priority, and this is why the daily meeting with God is so important. This is where we tune into His voice. We say, Lord, I, I want to hear from you through your word, and let it, your voice guide me today. And get throughout the day, all of these other voices are coming, but I'm listening to you first. Second is the teaching of Jesus, the authority in my life. Among all the new ideas, thought leaders, cultural trends, among the confident chattering of academia. The professor can seem so smart. Your boss can seem so convincing. That friend can seem like so right. But I don't care how new the idea, how good the idea, it is ancient and it is down here to the message God has given us through Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things through his powerful word. We have the word of God, you guys. Culture's going to go this way, going to go that way. It's going to be like, oh, yeah, good idea, good idea, great idea. To every which, the Lord's up here saying, it's my idea first. <laughs> and church, let us not drift with culture. Culture is going to go this way, that way. We must not. You can't take the Word of God and say, you know what, I like this part, but I don't think this part's relevant anymore. You can't do that. You, you can't take the teaching of Scripture and like, why? He's God. This is always relevant. This is eternal, timeless truth that, man, to the death. We have got to be hanging on to this. It's why he's like, guys, pay attention to what Jesus said, but I think I should go back and sacrifice, you know, the lambs and and just what? No, no. What did Jesus say? Lock in on that so that you don't drift away. Isn't that comforting, though, in a world of change and Man, beautiful clarity that we have in the teaching of Christ. And then the third one, third question is, is the teaching of Christ changing my life? Here God warns us through James, it's not enough just to listen. Don't deceive yourselves by just listening. What are you doing with it? And every bit of knowledge that we receive from the teaching of Jesus is meant to metabolize into loving obedience to the Father and sacrificial love to those around us and to be helping us to, to live that out. So appreciated Pastor Tyson and his work and with the team on this disciple pathway, but again, this is really, last week, knowing God, living in community, making disciples, changing the world, this is to move us into motion, and on February 16th will be the first class that's aimed at taking the Word of God, we know it, to know Him better so that we might live that out, take steps, and so what's the next step is really what we're asking through this disciple pathway. I love Ralph Moore, who God has used out on the West Coast to plant like over 2,000 churches. They, a big part of their ministry is small group, and they keep it real simple. His wife calls it the RAP method, R-A-P. But in every small group, they say, okay, we're going to take the, whatever text we went through on Sunday, we're going to RAP, review it, reread it, and ask three questions. What did God say to you during as we opened his word, because he's speaking, so what did he say? And you go around the group and you share. Second, what are you going to do because of it? So, you know, it takes it out of that, okay, I heard it, good, I'm good. It's like, no, what are you going to do with what God said? And it's in a group, so you're sharing, there's some accountability. And third, okay, let's, it's good to pray for your Aunt Sally's nephew's dog in small group, but but we're not going to pray about that right now. We're going to pray about you, Doing what God spoke to you to do this week. And the group prays for each other in following Christ. Isn't that awesome? Simple? But man, what a great way to to help each other live it out. Okay, so bringing it all together. God spoke to us through Jesus. Pay attention so that we don't avoid the drift. Are you guys feeling what I'm feeling right now? I'm getting hungry for the word of God. What did Jesus say? I want to know. What did you say? It's like when you go into China Buffet and you're sitting there and you're waiting for a friend and you smell all that good food and you're just like, oh, I just want to go get my plate. Hopefully, this is making us hungry for the word of God. I wish I could tell you what Jesus said, but we don't have time today. The, uh, <laughs> actually, uh, we have been talking about what Jesus said, so we're good. But, uh, but what did he teach us? A- and if I could just say three things again, what did Jesus say? Draw near to God through me. Hang on to the hope that I have given you, the unfailing love. I I will be with you every step of the way. And then go love as I've called you to go love as you follow me. Do you know the song, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? Great one. One of those that just gets stuck in your head. I was reminded of it this week. It says, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. That song... Third verse, O oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter, like a chain, bind my wondering heart to thee. To thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for the courts above. Crazy thing I learned this week. The guy who wrote it, Rob Robinson, he drifted. He was a pastor. God was using him in a powerful way. To help people follow Jesus and he wasn't, he neglected his own soul, lost, got distracted, and he drifted from God, and he was miserable. And he thought, I'm gonna go travel for a while and just try to find peace in that. He was out traveling on one of his journeys, and he was sitting next to a lady, young lady, who was reading his song. <laughs> and she started talking to him about it, and he, he kept trying to deflect and just ignore her, but she wouldn't let it go. And Finally, he started to break down, realizing this was God at work. And he told her, I wrote the song, but I'm not living it. And she went back and helped him hear his song again. And she said, Rob, streams of mercy never ceasing. God's mercy is still flowing. Draw near. Draw near through Christ. And he came back to the Lord. And you know, it's, it's a journey, isn't it? And we have our up moments, down moments with, with God. But just coming back to Christ, seeing Him, and hearing Him say, draw near. Keep your eyes on me. Pay attention to what I've said so that you don't drift away. And so would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you, for your grace, for your mercy, and I I thank you for the way that you've given us some grace this morning through your word, and just reminding us again that you spoke through Jesus. And then just uh, knowing we're humans and easily distracted, thank you for this reminder, this warning to lock in on you, Jesus, and what you said, and and then to... uh, To know that we don't have to drift, but that we can live close to you. And so I pray here at the outset of this series, Lord, that this would be a a season, the next ten weeks, of drawing near to you. Lord, that you would just bind our hearts to your hearts through your word and just do a work in each one of us. Even today, Lord, that that you would just um, grow our focus, grow our love, and uh, keep us close. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.